Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we see you there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As longtime ambassadors for Venus, we're excited that they are sponsoring today's podcast episode. Last year, Venus launched the Venus for Pubic Hair and Skin Collection, a range of grooming products specifically designed to help care for the pubic area, whether your hair is there, growing or gone. To mark the launch of this range, Venus started the Free the Vulva campaign, which we were both a part of, with the aim of breaking down the taboo that exists around women talking freely and openly around the pubic area. Now, with a focus on educating women to hashtag know your pubic, Venus has partnered with national women's health charity, the Lady Garden Foundation, to further normalise using language such as pubic area and give women the confidence to talk without embarrassment about their gynaecological health. Together, Venus and the Lady Garden Foundation want to encourage open conversation around pubic care and to help women better understand the different gynaecological cancers and their symptoms, which are often subtle and can go easily unnoticed. Every year in the UK, more than 21,000 women are diagnosed with gynecological cancers. Yet, according to research from the Lady Garden Foundation, talking about pubic care and gynecological health remains taboo for the 41% of women who admit to being too embarrassed to go to the doctor with a gynecological issue, let alone talk to a friend. To support the partnership, Venus has created a limited edition pack for their pubic hair and skin razor, which you can pick up at Superdrug. For each pack sold, Venus will make a donation to the Lady Garden Foundation, helping to fund life-saving research and provide vital resources for those affected by and living with gynecological cancers. Today's conversation is an important one, so get comfortable, grab a cuppa and get ready to know your pubic. Oh my God, why did I post that? Ah, I don't know what to do. Should I delete that? Yeah, you should definitely delete that. Hello, Mrs. Andrew. Uh, yeah. Ah, How does it feel? How does it feel? So good. But like more than that, everything's changed. We're with ACAST. This is one of our two weekly episodes. I'm on my honeymoon. I have a sunburnt nose. You're moving house. It's all picking off. It is, it is. But very importantly, you're on honeymoon and after an amazing wedding. Are you okay? I'm okay. Oh my God, wasn't it the best wedding in the whole wide world? Like, I know you have to say that because I've asked you, I've put you on the spot, but also just say yes, apart from yours. Joint first with yours. It was amazing. Obviously, that's my good today because it was so, so good. I We had an absolute blast. 
you know, my good, I know I've got married, like I know I'm, I'm on my honeymoon, I know I've got so many good, so many blessings to get out, but my good was genuinely sitting at the head table, looking out on all my friends, and in the corner of my eye, I saw Dismal Dave with the biggest <laughs> fucking smile on his face, and I was like, oh my god, Dave is smiling, Dave's in public, he's socialising, he's, he's making new friends, and he's enjoying it, and I was like, that... That's my good. <laughs> That's your good. <laughs> Do you know what? He was on form. He was having such a good time. And I kept being like, where is Dave? I can't find Dave. And he was just like breakdancing on the dance floor. Like, I, th- I think he did the worm on the dance floor. I think, oh, he's saying half. He half did it. I, I don't think he fully committed. Um, so he was just, he was just more like, like the caterpillar, caterpillar. Um, he was having oh we just had the best time honestly like I said I said to you like oh. Dave oh no I think it was Georgie someone said like we need to go home now we're going to miss the taxis and I was like we can't go home now it's so early and I looked at my watch it was like quarter to three <gasps> and I was like oh we oh. really do need to go home I had the opposite pro- well not the opposite problem but I remember looking at somebody's watch at like 11 and being like oh my god I'm exhausted what time is it and someone was like it's quarter to 11 and I was like what I thought it was like quarter to one so I was like okay I've only got to do an hour more and then but I mean I obviously wasn't wishing it away my feet my feet are still sore I wore those heels all (gasps) night they were big heels huge yeah yeah like six inches platforms platforms of um but yeah my my feet still I'm like five days post-wedding and my 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 um what they called the bit under your toes the balls the balls of my feet are just my balls hurt, Alex. My balls really hurt. <laughs> That's a sign of a good time. Did it just feel like the most surreal day? It, you know what? I was so I, I'm so annoyed with myself for not enjoying the morning more. But I was so anxious. Like I can't even tell you. You yeah. sent me. You were the only person that gave me really, really helpful advice. And you sent me a text on Friday night, and you were like, "Sleep well, but also you probably won't. Don't beat yourself up." it's fine, adrenaline will get you through. Yeah. I was like, that is fabulous practical advice because that's what I needed because I, obviously I was just lying in bed like, uh, and I woke up on um, the morning of the wedding and I, and I was sleeping, I was in a bed with one of my bridesmaids, Sarah, and I looked round at her and both of us were like, and literally we woke up at like 7am and looked at each other and both of us were like, ooh, <laughs> and that kind of like surmised how I felt all morning. Like I was gassed, like obviously it was so fun, but I was also so fucking terrified. I felt I had to apologise to like the gorgeous girl that did my makeup. Um, it was called Katie Daisy. I'm going to tag her on Instagram because she's like the best makeup artist. And the girl Haley who did my hair. And but I was on such shit form. And normally I'm like, woo, let's chat. And I was like, don't talk to me. I'm so nervous. Oh. But then I tell you what, really took the uh, took the edge off. I had the most anxious morning. I was absolutely shitting it. Couldn't talk to anyone. And then I was in the car on the way to the church with my dad and the bridesmaids in front of us they crashed the car <laughs> the car in front with the bridesmaids no. they got cra- not badly they were fine but they got crashed into by somebody oh like because they couldn't fit it down the narrow lane and it like completely took all my nerves away and I was like <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> like this is a shit show um and then yeah and then we got into the church and then literally I saw actually I saw my friend Caitlin who's got like the biggest smile ever when I got in and she gave me the biggest smile when we, when the church doors first opened and I was like okay everything's fine I cried the whole way through did you <laughs> yeah yeah Fliss was like are you okay I was like I just it's just so nice I like Boo like oh so sweet oh yeah so we sweet. had Boo in the church as our 
ring bearer, obviously. And the, the vicar asked me at the rehearsal on Thursday, he was, he was like, is she good? And I was like, she is good as gold. You've never met a dog as good as her. She won't make a peep. Obviously, it didn't occur to me that if you put her in a room with like 250 people, also <laughs> with Alex, who she hadn't seen for two days because he'd gone, the poor dog was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, Kathy, my sister let, goes let down the aisle, my mum's doing a reading, me and Al are at the end, and she... And I gave her to Georgie as if it was, like, some amazing job. I'm like, Georgie, would you please walk Boo down the aisle? You'll just love it. And then she had the worst job in the world because Boo the whole way through was like... And it was like, has anyone yeah. here got any reason, like any reason why these two shouldn't be married? And Boo was like, ah, ah. I was like, shut up, Boo. This is in your best interest. You want us to be married. This is good. This is commitment. This is a family. This is a family unit. Don't ruin this for us. But but um, it made it though. Like it made it, and like she was a proper part of it. I just thought, yeah, it was, it was so oh. sweet. And Lucky did this beautiful reading that made me cry. It was just gorgeous. Yeah, both, like, is it yeah. Eeyore? Yeah. So both mine and Alex, and we talk about these people like everybody knows these people, but also this is the first time that Al and I have caught yeah. up since the wedding so we've got to chat it out yeah. but so my mum did a reading um which is a poem called I Love You by Roy by Roy Croft which is like literally one of my favorite readings ever uh Alex's mum did a reading from the bible which was a oh this is embarrassing I'm going to say Chrysinthia, but I think that's a flower. Corinthians? No. What's what's the word? No, that's the flower. Uh, Okay, I can't remember. Everybody that's ever been to church will be like, I know what she's trying to say, and she's a fucking idiot. Uh, (laughs) So that, that was a lovely reading. That. Uh, That one. (laughs) And then, uh, and then, oh, that's so bad. And then um, one of my best friends, Lucky, did yeah she did the AA Milne one of the Winnie Pooh, Winnie the Pooh readings and it was like if you live to be a hundred I hope to live to be a hundred minus one day so I never have to live without you and like and oh it was so, and I was fine I held it together I didn't cry when I was going down the aisle I didn't cry for any of it until she read that and then the last line of that was like you know you're braver than you think and you're stronger than you know and I was like oh god I fucking girl. <laughs> Oh, wasn't it was it? so lovely. Wasn't it was it? so lovely. Wasn't it? It was so lovely. Oh, yeah, gorgeous. Can't believe it's just The whole done. thing. Yeah. I know, I know. It's mad, isn't it? Like, so much goes into it, and then you're just, like, one day, and the day goes like that, and yeah. then it's it's just done. It was so surreal. But I'll tell you, something we haven't told on Instagram, but when we got back, we had an amazing reception, and it was gorgeous, and we had a lovely time. Um... I did a speech, Alex did a speech, my dad did a speech, our best men and best woman did a speech, and then my brother and my sister got up. This actually has to be my good. My brother and my sister got up, and my brother was the (laughs) MC, and they performed (laughs) Islands in the Stream in the style of Bryn and Nessa, Anna, Gavin and Stacey, in the costumes, except, like, to a T, it was perfect. (laughs) My brother came out in drag as he was Dolly Parton, and my sister, (laughs) vice versa, was Kenny Rogers, and it was the most incredible thing I have ever seen in my whole life. Ever. One of the funniest, funniest things. Everyone was dying laughing. I so hurt myself. I laughed so hard. And my, my amazing friend, Jamie, he's an incredible videographer and photographer, and he, I didn't want to ask him to do the videography for the wedding because I was like, 
it's kind of annoying. Like if you're invited to a wedding and then the 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 host is like, yeah. so can you work it? Because it's like, no, I want to enjoy it, whatever. Anyway, so I didn't ask him. Yeah. And then when I saw him, I saw him at the reception. He was one of the first people I saw and he had a camera around his neck. I was like, fucking A. And um, <laughs> he, he, as our wedding present, he took some amazing black and white photos. I've put some of them on Instagram and I've tagged him if anybody wants to have a look at his work. He's called That Leckier Lad on Instagram. Um, but he brought his camera and just took these photos and he's got some of me reacting to my brother and sister performing and my face it's like my face about to split in half with how big the smile was oh it was just wasn't it just unreal I went to I went to the toilet and yeah your your brother and your sister were there like putting these costumes on and I was like oh my god and Katty was like don't ask don't ask we'll see you in a bit and I was like oh my god absolutely fun, fantastic I didn't know so they good. were going to do it in drag I did ask them and I fully anticipated them both telling me to fuck off because there's no way they were going to perform in front of all these people but they did it and then they did it like they didn't just do it they just they fucking smashed they really it. really went for it like it was, absolute sports yeah, yeah. oh oh it's just it's so nice to talk about it with you it's just the best day I've never the f- had oh my a God, day the like food. that wasn't it great the food was so good i had like the, i don't know if you had it as well like the lasagna yeah it was like spinach mushroom yeah. gluten-free vegan spinach mushroom and i'm gonna say kale i'm gonna say kale or yeah it? i think it was kale yeah. it was exquisite Wasn't i didn't it? want to end it was so no, good so good and i really I, I don't know i always think at a wedding like how many ve- like we, ve- weddings have i gone to it as a vegetarian and was like here's a stuffed pepper i'm like fuck your stuffed pepper i want more <laughs> yeah. i'm not doing that to my it friends so good oh it was so, so good. good and then the wedding cake was yeah. vegan and gluten-free oh it yes. was just fucking epic oh it's just the best night of my whole life Ever, best day, but oh, ever. Me and Alex oh. just kept looking at each other being like, this is the best day of my life. Like, oh, it was so cool. I'm so, I'm so glad. I'm so, so, so glad. I knew it would be, but yeah, it's, it, I don't know. I feel like that's such a lot of pressure to be like, it's going to be the best day of your life. But actually, yeah. but it is, isn't it? It really is. It's just like everyone there. That's what I had to remember in the morning. That's what people kept saying to me because I was so anxious in the morning and, and I built these irrational fears. Like I can't tell you mm. the irrationality of these fears. The first one being, you've uh, Alex's uh, Church of Ireland. So I don't know how all these services go, but in our service, we had to kneel down in front of the vicar and I, when we did it in the rehearsal, I just got this thing in my head. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to kneel down and then I'm going to stand back up again. And then, because I've got massive heels on and my dress had like a lot of layers. I was like, I'm going to step on the back of my dress and I'm just going to rip the whole thing. And I built up my head. I was like, it's the kneel. And I was I was practicing the kneel. And I was, oh, honestly, I was so scared. So I had the, 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 the kneel was just terrifying. And then the other thing was that I was driving that car the car that we left the church in was a 1966 mustang it's my favorite car has been for as long as i've been alive i've been obsessed with that car and it was so special to me to get to drive my favorite car ever it was so special to me that alex was like happy to let me drive it despite the fact that there's all those men out there that would think that was like a direct like emasculation or whatever and he was like fuck it i'm not getting up that hill that's on you like when we got out of the church i looked at the car and i was like babe i can't do it because i hadn't had a practice i was in six inch heels i had that long dress on i was like i can't i can't and he looked at me and he was like Babe, I'm not doing that. I was like, fuck, I've got to do it. And and I was, because oh basically the church was on the biggest steep, well, you saw it, it was on a really, really steep yeah. hill. And it was a 66 Mustang. And I was like, in these huge hills with this massive dress with 
near enough three, well, over 300 people watching me I was like this is going to be all I kept thinking is I'm going to start going up and then I'm not going to be able to hill start and then I'm going to run over all my guests oh my I'm going to roll back and I'm going to crush them all and there'll be a massacre outside the church and I'm going to have killed everybody that I love and that was the irrational thing oh I was literally the morning I was like I'm going to it's going to be like grandma's daughter I'm going to kill them all I'm going to crush them it's going to be the worst um, and okay, I wish that is a rational concern <laughs> because that hill was so steep well, and you were in I, those shoes in those shoes I know I can't wait bank. for the vi- well, footage of that, that means, but... yeah well I mean it sounds like it's not an easy car, car to drive no yeah. I can't wait for the footage of that and the videos because I haven't really got any of that yet and I just oh want to show God. the world what I did because it was fucking inspiring honestly I want women everywhere oh to God. look at that and be, I, well, actually I want men everywhere to look at that and shut up that trope about female drivers because I fucking smashed that um, oh my god I would have actually, actually shot myself that's I couldn't I do that so like on a non-slope about. in a normal car that I dri- drove all the time in trainers like no way never mind oh my god well I got in the car and I was like I need to take these heels off but I was shaking so much that I couldn't undo my strap and everyone was looking and a few of my friends were right by the door and they were like fuck off are you driving it and I was like yeah and they were like go on girl and I was like well I can't very well stop and take my shoes off now can I so oh I just god. I just had to, I just had to go for it and just fucking fingers crossed. And I was literally just like, Ugh. but I did it. I did it. I did it. So that, but, but that was my irrational fit. And I just wish somebody, well, actually a lot of people did it in the morning. It's the only thought that soothed me was when people said, you're going to like, this is the best day of your life. Like, this is the best day of your life. Don't ruin, don't, not even don't ruin it. Just remember that all these anxieties you're having, this is the best. Yeah. So kind of whatever yeah. every time I had I thought that was like okay okay and then two seconds later it came back yeah. again <laughs> and I was so late <laughs> I, I was late to the church because we were trying to strap my fucking tits up and I lost my amazing tip tape and we had to use my sister's cheap shit tip tape and we were putting them and I was so sweaty and they just kept and the videographers were trying to get you know like all this like glamorous shots of like the bride putting on her wedding dress like so ethereal and it's me and I literally every time and I was and Sarah had my um one of my friends had had to sew. I was trying to wear these, like, spanks, basically. I was on my period for the wedding. That's an overshare, but you're getting it anywhere. I don't want anyone to give me shit for wearing shape where I can do what I want. Um, but I was trying to wear these, like, spanks on the bottom, and I was trying to... Basically, the, the back of my dress was really low, so Sarah had to sew my spanks down so that you couldn't see them. And so I was in these, like, stupid sewn spanks that were nude, and I was on my period, and I was like, I need to change my tampon, and I was running around with these stupid nipple covers on, and this, like, tip tape was peeling, and they were trying to get these, like, have you got, like, a wedding scent, like, you know, like, stunning, like, trying to take, like, the beautiful white dress, and, like, slowly zip it up, (laughs) and there I am, just, like, sweating and bleeding with my fucking nipple covers, like, falling (laughs) off, I was like, there she is, that's the branding. Um, I hope they got some real BTS, because that's what I want to say but I kept saying it I was like share this shit you might as well like I'm a mess and we know it and they were like yeah they won't they're way too nice no. not good for their brand that that's that's exactly. what they're dealing with they're like Ew. please hire us look what we create yeah exactly she's gross um, um and then but that was all my good all my good and then I'm just gonna say my bad and then I'm gonna shut up about the wedding because my bad no my awkward no we love it my okay, awkward, awkward has also come from the wedding Alex because it's something that's occurred to me since I've been on my honeymoon and I can't stop thinking about it so say that I didn't realize it at the time Uh, my Alex was wearing a microphone my Alex was wearing a microphone in the church because 
the videographers want to hear the vicar and us doing our vows and all that shit, right? That's all lovely. Yeah. That's great. They're going to have some nice audio of us saying, like, I will and whatever else we say, like, in richer and poorer and sickness and health, all that, all that lovely shit, right? I'll tell you what they're also yeah. going to have. I'll tell you what that, that microphone will also have picked up on. Go on. And did those feet in ancient <laughs> tribes... <laughs> get that audio for us we need to play it on the podcast i honestly i'm dying every time i think about it i'm like fuck that's the worst <laughs> thing in the world that and also and i'm making oh yeah oh because alex can sing can't he he's yeah, quite he, a good singer yeah he's a really good singer he was like a professional yeah. singer and the, and vicar's I bet the vicar's vicar. probably can hold a tune by now you know and then there's me and then there's you <laughs> And I didn't know the words. I didn't. We did. We did Jerusalem mostly to annoy Alex's Irish friends, to be honest. But then, um, but we also did um, <laughs> love, uh, love divine. Because I thought I knew it. I was like, oh yeah. Because I don't know many hymns. I'm not. I'm not a massive churchgoer. And when I was looking at the thing, I was like, love divine. And Alex was like, oh, it's a banger. I was like, okay, grand. You know it. I know it. That'll be grand. That'll be fine. No worries. And then. I started singing it. I was like, I've never heard this song in my life. So I was like totally <laughs> freestyling. Like, I was like, when does, you know, and the hymn sometimes like they, they enunciate the weird bits. And, and I, and yeah, so that's going to be the worst thing that anybody's ever heard. I am so excited to hear that. I'm so excited to hear that. I'm going to ask the video oh for it and just ruin Please. my own life. Please do. And we need to play a snippet on the podcast. Please. It'll make my life. <laughs> Okay, I'll ask, I'll ask, I'll ask, I'll ask. Yeah, ask, um, ask. Do you have um, a bad? I do have a bad. And you know Go what? On. I knew, I was Go like, on. I'm going to have to scrape the barrel for my bad. And you know what? You don't even have to take this bad. It's not necessarily bad because everything in my life is so good. I'm married to the best person I've ever met. I had an absolute fucking gas time with all my friends. Best wedding, best day on cloud nine. One tiny, tiny thing. Um, so on the way, on the way here, this is because when you were like, we don't need to do this recording if you want, like we don't have to do it. I was like, oh, we have to do it. There's something I have to tell you. So to get to where we are, it was two flights. It was like two flights and a boat journey, um, which is grand. Woof. Yeah, a lot like, of travelling. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of travelling. Worth it, hundred percent, absolutely fine. But we yeah. were pooped. We were absolutely wrecked. Like we're so tired from the wedding, and then on the Sunday after the wedding, all the Irish stayed, and they literally stayed the night, and we just got just as drunk again on this flight after you guys oh, left on you? Sunday. Yeah, yeah, we just we just ploughed through. We went to the takeout. They all had like Chinese. We all had chips. Like we just got absolutely shit faced again. Like sat with all Amazing. of our Irish friends. They all cancelled their flights, stayed for another day. It was so fun. I know chaos, but Monday That's was just so like, good. Whoa, like we weren't feeling like stunning. What is happening? So we flew to Dubai, then we got our connecting flight, and then we had to get a boat from the main island where we landed to the next place. And we were on the boat and everything's fine, except the only problem was every time Alex and I <laughs> fell asleep, like every time we sat down, we went like that and we were asleep. Like it just happened so quickly. Like whatever whatever mode of transport we were on, we just fell asleep. <laughs> and it was, I didn't realise, but the crossing we were on was actually pretty rough. And when I woke up, and this, is, this shouldn't be my bad, it should be the chick next to me's bad, but when I woke oh, no. up... The woman next oh, no. to me, in her sleep, had vomited 
all down herself. <laughs> like whilst she was also oh. asleep. So there was asleep. Like, there was this lady, bless her. And then there was me, and then there was Al, and me and Alex both woke up and there was like all these people with loads of wet wipes and like sick oh everywhere. We were like, god. oh my god. And did she just, wake up? She did, yeah, bless her. We're just and her friend was like trying to wipe it off her head and it was all over everywhere and it oh it was so bad. Oh my god, that's so bad. That's bless so her! Bless her! Absolute scene. But I, I don't, don't understand what she's been how doing. You could do it in your sleep. <laughs> I know, I thought we'd had a big weekend with the wedding, but she must have because, because like it was huge. I mean, surely it, was it wakes huge. you up being sick. You I think know? that is probably like, what woke her up. Like I'd but say like the she, nausea wakes you up, doesn't it? And then you're like, oh, I'm going to be sick, I'm going to be sick. But wow, oh, yeah. bless her. Bless her. Oh, so you know what? It's not, like a, it's not like the worst bad, because I've had the best week of my life. Yeah, but it yeah, was, yeah. I was just, it, it, it was like, this isn't great. But I'll tell you what, like, swung me back around dead quick was I met a podcast listener on that crossing of all places <gasps> in the middle you? of the Indian Ocean. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh. my God. Um, oh. And she was lovely. So... You know, oh, that's really nice. Swings and so roundabouts. Yeah, yeah okay. swings and roundabouts. We've Love talked it. about me for like the whole time. I want your bads. I want your awkwards. I want the lot. My everything. So I'm keeping my bads, my bad light this week. Um, and, and I'm not, it's not from your wedding because I don't have any bads from your wedding at all. I just had the most fantastic time. Um, so my bad is from the weekend before. You know, I went to Rhodes for my friend's wedding. Yeah. And we f- we flew back on the uh, on the Sunday and we didn't feel very good. Like we, the, the wedding was the day before and it was obviously late and we just didn't feel great. It wasn't a good time and we were flying Ryanair, which is fine. Like people really complain about Ryanair, but I just, I actually quite like it. Like I just think it just gets you there and you know, it's no frills. I like that. Um, however, you are very close to the people that you're sitting next to, aren't you? Very, very, very close. And the the little tables, the tray tables now are tiny and they don't block out the view of the person next to his feet. Okay? okay. So the man sitting next to me, right? I was on the aisle. He was in the middle. The man sitting next to me took his shoes off and he had the most, just like truly the worst feet I've ever seen. Uh, which is fine. I I could have I could have forgotten about them. They were, but the, I could see them. There was no hiding. There was just lot, nothing I could do. But he wiggled them like all flight. Like he just kept wiggling. No. And it was just Maybe like, he had something wrong with them. <laughs> just ru- ruined it. I was just like I was. Uh, I was like, uh, uh, sick. <laughs> so disgusting. And also, I kept falling. Right, I kept falling asleep because I was so tired. But I don't know. Do you know when you're on a plane and your anxieties are like a little bit high? I kept waking up like in a fright. So I'd wake up like I'd be fast asleep and then be like, ah, like this. And that poor man, I must have done it about five times. And every time I did it, he got the shock of his life. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, I can't fall asleep again because I can't do that again. And then I just fucking fall asleep and do it all over again. Be like, ah, wake up like this. I was like, I'm so sorry, mate. But also I have to, you're subjecting me to your toes all flight. So whatever, even Stevens. So that was, that's my bad. <laughs> But, so was it Alex? Because Alex is absolutely like gnarly little trotters, bless him. Does he? Have you never seen Alex's feet? No, I am. 
imagine him having like a, a nice like pedicured set of tutsies. He oh, does. No, I'm using that word again. That's disgusting. He does. <laughs> Never again. He does go for pedicures. Him and my sister have a a, a, a rolling date, a month, a, a, a monthly date to have their pedicures. Yeah, both of them have got funny little feet. That's really cute. My sister had a really bad accident when she was six and she sort of lost nearly half of her foot. So she's got a funky looking foot. And then Alex had two (laughs) operations, one on each big toe. And so that he's got funky looking feet. So they're like the funky feet club and they just go for like their little... Love it. Little manicures. But yeah, pedicures. But when I first met Alex, he was like a socks on the beach lad because he was self-conscious about his feet. He's come on a long way. Really? So you know what? I'm team. I'm team. No foot shame. No, no foot shaming. That's that's my that's my stance on this. We need to celebrate. To be we fair, need to celebrate all feet. Well, given ones, what I do, I probably ones. should be the same. But I really just don't like them. No, you I know just what? Don't I've like been them. horrible about Alex's feet. If they touch me in bed, I'm like, ugh. Um, <laughs> no, but they're looking. They are actually looking. Stunning. I'll see if I can find a photo from like back in the heyday before the pedicure date started. Please do. Because they are now yeah. looking, I'm going to say normal. Like I'm going to say now you'd look at okay. them and you wouldn't okay. be like, oh, okay. But yeah, there, there was a time they've, they've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, I want to see them. I want to see before and after. You know what? Um, I've got lovely feet and it was commented on a few too many times at my own wedding. Oh, you have got nice feet. It's I a know. nice spot, yeah. And you know what? Normally, yeah. when I do all my running, I normally like, I, I on average, I, I once lost seven toenails at one go. So I, I, I very rarely, that. It's yeah, disgusting. You I very rarely have all my toenails. And mm. right now, I've, I've got a full set. You want to see a full house over here? Woo! Aren't they nice? There you go. You could do OnlyFans. Only feet. Yeah, I know. I honestly, only, only feet. We'll see how this goes, but I'm keeping it in my back pocket. <laughs> if the um, podcast goes tits up, always good to have a plan B. <laughs> and it, and if the fridge, well, the plan B is fridge magnets. So if that goes tits up too. People want the fridge I magnets. People I don't want, want to talk about it. the fridge it. magnets. I got DMs. And you know, everyone's like, I know you're busy with your wedding, but this fridge magnet shit. I'm like, I fucking know. You know what I bought today in the gift shop? <laughs> fridge magnet. You know why? People fucking love fridge magnets. Alex, it's happening. Buckle up. Get used to it. Don't okay. be a dick about okay. this. Everybody wants the fridge magnets. Just because you don't use your fridge. Exactly, exactly. That's why. It's an absolute no, but if we were to ever consider it, it would have to be like, you get one, I get one, so I can balance out your affirmations with something more uninspirational. Alex, fine. If we do the if we do yeah. the fridge magnets, we'll do a doormat that says, die, Fuck off. cry, <laughs> hate. Okay? Live, love, love, answer hate. to doormat. We're going to have die, cry, hate on a doormat if I get my positive fucking fridge magnets to give fine, everybody a smile fine. in the morning. Yeah? You're going to be the Deal. reason that nobody goes to our listeners' houses anymore because they'll all have these doormats and they're going to be like, fucking hell, that's a weird house. I love we'll like sell out of the fridge magnets and we'll have like a die, die, doormats. Die, die, cry, hate. <laughs> yeah. It's like, who the hell's buying that? <laughs> anyway. No get on board, Al. This is where we make the millions. I'm just wondering how we're friends, but okay. <laughs> oh, okay. What's your awkward? Hit me up. Hit me up. Tell me what's awkward. Apart from the fact that you're about to go into business with someone that you loathe. <laughs> yeah, apart from that. My awkward it my awkward is from your wedding. What did you do? So when we went into the church, when we went into the into the church, I saw um Ashley, Ashley James, who's Ashley Weeze James on Instagram um who's brilliant and I've never met her partner before Tommy but I've seen him loads on Instagram and I obviously like she talks about him Tommy 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 so I know I walk in and I'm like oh my god there's Ashley and Tommy and I went 
up to him and I said, hi, I'm Tommy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, hi, I'm Tommy. And I was like, oh no, I'm not Tommy. You're Tommy. Sorry, I'm Alex. You're Tommy. Nice to meet you. I'm so sorry. I know you're from Instagram. I know this is weird. And Dave is just like eyes rolling back in his head. Like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? It all just got too much for me. I know. He's so nice as well, isn't he? He he was lovely about it. But like I said to him later, like, I'm, I am so embarrassed that I did that. I just walked up to him and said, hi, I'm Tommy. Like, so embarrassing. Um, But yeah, he was, he was very, very sweet about it. And I just, I hope we can, I hope we can put it to bed so that we can move forward. You know what? That's a benefit of doing a a wedding in a church. It's like there tends to be an open grave or two. So when people have little faux pas like that, we can just sort of like roll them out. (laughs) I did nearly die though, because it just felt humiliating. I was just like, how does that even come out? But Ashley was pleased because it it evened us out because when we went to an event, Dave and I went to an event a couple of weeks ago and uh, Ash walked in, Dave was by himself. Ash walked in and started waving at Dave because she recognized him from my Instagram. And Dave obviously has never met her. So he was like, oh, Who is that like that girl's waving. woman waving at me? <laughs> yeah, she must be waving at someone behind me. So he was just like trying not to look. And then he was like, oh God, she's getting closer and she's still waving. And it was like, he said it was like right up to his face. And then suddenly he was like, this has gone too far for like it to be anyone but me. And he was like, hi. <laughs> she was like, oh shit, sorry. I just know you off Instagram. So, I hate hellos. I hate meeting people. It just makes me, I just squirm. I, I just, I just, I yeah. just want to face the wall until I'm your best friend. Do you know what I mean? Well, do you know what? That's another thing. Like yesterday or the day before, a girl was hosting an event, an influencer called Katie Storino, who's fantastic. Love her. And I just walked in, like I've been following her on Instagram for ages. So I was like, oh my God, hi, Katie. Just like went up and gave her a big hug. And um, we were chatting and then someone else walked in and was like, hi, Katie, are you hugging? And she was like, no, 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 I'm actually, it's no touch. I'm like, I'm not touching. So I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. I literally walked up to her and forced her into like a bear hug because oh, I was like, no. I'm so sorry. So I've learned now that I think the best way is to ask people, are we hugging? Oh God, I'm giving non-consensual hugs all over the place. I give them to everybody. No, I know, I know, I know, same, same. But apparently we have to ask consent now. So so at least now we know. Yeah. I'm going to have to write that down. I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to put them on a magnet. I never knew you were going to fucking say that. (laughs) Always ask consent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Al, why? But, you know, why are you dismissing important issues? We could tackle some serious shit with these magnets. We really could. We really we, could. We really could. We really. Uh, she's, she's, actually, are you hearing this, guys? She's 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 asked for the ladder to be put down. She's climbing. She's coming. <laughs> she's getting out of the water. She's drying off. She's gonna take a seat there on the back deck. I'm just doing what I can to make you shut up about it. Okay, well, I know loads about magnets, so if you ever you ever got a question, you just hit me up. I just love magnets. If you eat okay, one, okay. If, you, if you eat half of one and then you, you get the magnet on the other side, it can go through. I used to have a really strong magnet when I was little and I put it on one side of my hand and then it would connect to the other side of my hand. I suddenly just that's, love magnets. That's it's quite wild. cool. Yeah, but I, I, I love that you like, ask, ask me anything and you'll be like, oh, magnets were invented in 1995. No, they were <laughs> invented before that. I'd say magnets have probably been kicking about. Yeah, of course they were. I'd say fair... <laughs> I'd say they've been around for a fair while now. I'd say they probably use them to like okay, replace Okay, okay, take a guess, right? Take okay. a guess and I'm going to Google it. I'm going to say the magnets were invented 
I'm going to say ages ago. Because, to be honest, they weren't invented. They just existed. So they were probably discovered. Because, like, copper's just magnetic, isn't it? So they didn't, like, invent magnetism. Your face is looking okay. surprised. Okay. So I'm going to say they discovered it in, like, 1910. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite. So... <laughs> The history of magnetism dates back to the 600 BC age. <laughs> so just just a few years before 1910. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh, this is what I meant. This is I. Oh no! Okay. So I think the Englishman William Gilbert in 1540 was the first to investigate the phenomenon of magnetism systematically using scientific me- oh, what the fuck does that mean jesus yeah i know what that means like he was recognizing it as a pattern so he was probably experimenting with it like copper and copper and like the other mag- the other mag- like fridges and magnets basically whatever okay. they're made of well there I we go i don't know what fridge is made of anyway we've learned a bunch i think we it's have, really good we that have. we learn a lot about the industry that we're gonna <laughs> let's bulldoze <laughs> let's let's wrap this up before uh because i mean before we start to lose everyone that subscribes to our podcast. We're not losing them. They're going to come in their fucking droves for these magnets. Watch this space. Yeah, we'll um, see. <laughs> so, oh, this is the first episode in the new format. It is. Oh, my God, it is. We are, oh, yeah, of course. This is one of two podcasts this week because you're getting two. How exciting, right? Everyone's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Tumbleweed fly. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is exciting. It is it exciting. Is exciting. <laughs> but we've got this episode here with this amazing interview now. And then on Thursday, we will see you for the bit that normally arrives at the end of the episode, which is the, is it just me? We will tackle your emails. We will, uh, yeah. I've, got, I've actually got my own, is it just me this time? Um, but we've got Excellent. our is it just me from you guys and we've got our embarrassing stories and we will see you basically for our bumper episode on thursday so now we are going back in time a few weeks pre em's wedding and pre her honeymoon to a pre-recorded episode that really hope that you're going to learn a lot from we certainly did and it's a really important one so i hope you enjoy <laughs> Okay, we're talking about something that I love to talk about today. Hit me. Pews. Hey. Daisy gets it. Vulva. Um, vagina. Yeah, this is it. Stigma is out the window for today's Yay. episode. I'm really excited. So, I <laughs> any excuse to talk about vagina? And I'm happy. But today is an episode that's incredibly close to my heart. And I'm really proud that we get to do we get that we get to work with doctors and with patients and with charities and brands who are willing to have this conversation with us. And I'm really, really excited. Today we talked to the amazing Dr. John Butler and ovarian cancer patient Jess Brown. We talked to them about Jess's treatment, about ovarian cancer, about all the gynecological cancers, about symptoms diagnoses, what the future looks like. It's a really empowering and amazing episode. But before we get into it, we wanted just to have a little bit of a conversation about why this is so important. And I really wanted to do a quiz for Al about oh, for gynecological sake. cancer. For fuck's sake. So, Put me I'm, on blast right, so I don't Yeah, know. here we go. This is fun, okay? Everybody's learning. Okay. It, it's, this is a health class. Actually, I had a really good thing the other day where someone said, you know, we always talk about like, oh, we need better sexual education. And it's like, this isn't, this isn't sexual education. This is health education yes pubic areas gynecological health is health not 
women's issues or shame or sex. It's, yeah. you know, a, a vagina doesn't have to be sexual, everybody. Ooh, controversial opinion. Um, anyway, did you know, Alex? Hit me. There were five types of gynecological cancer. Can yes, you you're going to ask me to bloody I'm name gonna them. I'm going to ask you to name Fuck them all. Sake. And I'm okay. going to ask our listeners at home to pause this right now, please, and okay. see if you can name all five types of yes. gynecological cancers. Okay. You're up. Okay. I'm going to start from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Vulva. No, no, no. Yeah, vulva. Starting Stunning. from the bottom. Yeah, that's one. Vulva. Going up. Vagina. Stunning. Cervix. Stunning. Ovarian. Uh-huh. Oh, fuck, I don't know what the fifth one is. Hang on, let me just think. Uh, fallopian? No. Am I missing an... Uh... You're missing a massive... I'm going to say arguably the biggest bit. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh! Womb. Yeah. Womb cancer. Womb cancer. Okay, okay. So, and the, there's a lot of research that says that the first time most people hear these cancer names is when they're being diagnosed with them, right? Which yeah. is just, like, terrifying. Um, yeah. On a personal level, like, this is something close... Uh, for me because my granny had ovarian cancer and perhaps you know I mean I was obviously very young so we don't you know you don't massively talk about big scary things and, and particularly not death with children particularly but it's always struck me how much the stigma is around these types of cancers and in my work over the last few years really like trying to raise awareness for gynecological health you do realize how massive this stigma still is and I think to myself like in a personal capacity how awkward I am about like even your smear and stuff and like yeah. that whole thing of like can I ask a question now I've been thinking about this loads right go why on. is it that you know when you go for a smear test yeah and you walk into the doctor's room and they're like I'll just leave you for a moment while you take your trousers down and you take your trousers down and then you take your pants off and you put your pants in your shoes or something random because where else are you supposed to put them? You know what I mean? And then you lie there and then they say like, are you ready? And you kind of lie there and then they come back in and I'm like, why did they leave the room? They're about to put yeah. a second plastic tube up my fanny. It doesn't get more intimate. No, but they leave for that bit. And I'm like, make it make sense. There must be a reason. There Maybe must be a just, reason. I, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything more embarrassing for no reason than bending over naked. Like with your trousers Bending around over. your ankles. Oh, oh, okay. Do you I was know like, I mean? how are you having your smear test? Because you do not need to bend over, Em. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like when you, you you take your trousers off and you've got to like bend and it's just like butt cheeks in the air, like a couple of boiled eggs. <laughs> but I just wanted to ask you about your smears. My smears. Your smears, yeah. Do you go yeah. through smears? Are you regular with your smears? I do, I do. That's it's every two years, isn't every it? Every three years every after three you're 25. Every three years after 25. And people are going to ask why you can't have it before you're 25 and should we be having them particularly given the fact that, you know, young young women can get cancer, as we hear from today with Jess. But uh, there's a yeah. lot of reasons for that. And I would recommend Googling them because I can't say them with confidence. But there is yeah. a lot of reasons. It's not like an oversight. There's a deliberate yeah. reason why they wait until you're after 25. So I must have had 25, 28, 28 31. I've had three and coming up to my fourth. I, ca I cannot stress like how easy I found literally all of them Yeah. to the point where I've been like, is that it? Are you joking? I was so scared for my first one because yeah. obviously I'd never had and most people won't have had an internal exam, like anything internal from a doctor or in a, in a medical setting. So I was like absolutely bricking it. But it was literally so easy. I was like, is that it? And done out of there. My sister has a bit of a, a couple of my sisters have a bit of a harder time because they've got twisted cervixes. But there are like so many instruments that you can use now to like help. Yeah. That. Dr. John talks about that in this episode yes. about the options that you have as a patient when you go in for your smear. So 
like hear it from a doctor not from us in a couple of minutes yeah but, um, but like there's different sizes of speculum I didn't I didn't even know that I, I I just can't say enough how like what a great experience mine has been I mean I haven't been like any action for Al's it. good action yeah. <laughs> just like yeah it's, it's great on, yeah wined and dined <laughs> by the nurse but like for anyone like, I don't know if we'll have people listening who might not have gone for one yet possibly probably but like it is absolutely my sisters were terrified absolutely terrified but the nurse does not give a damn he or she has been in has done this like thousands of times they don't care who you no, are what you are and your vagina, your is just vagina looks like they don't give a damn they're in they're out they're thinking about what what they're having for dinner that night so don't even think about stuff like that it's like a one night stand yeah. at uni in and out think about one one man, yeah. thank you ma'am get out you're done um can i ask if you've ever been self-conscious about your vagina about your vulva any of your bits? Or are you like one of those just like, woo? I don't think I have. Lips to the no. wind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I have actually. Oh, you see, I have. Have I you? Just, oh my God. I actually think a really big part of this was the fact that we, like, I didn't see any vagina. <clears throat> I've done it again. Any vulvas. Actually, I'm just going to give an anatomical lesson here. And this might sound stupid, but I didn't know this. So you might not know this either. The, vo- the vagina is the inside bit. The vulva is the outside bit. And I always think I'm saying... Volvo, um, <laughs> but I'd never seen like other Volvos. Like I, you know, I, I wasn't like an exhibitionist at school. None of my friends were. You know what it's like. You're so embarrassed, and like you're going little pubes and stuff, and you're like, oh. yeah. And I, you just hadn't seen any to know what mine looked like in relation to that. And something that's like been really cool. I remember a photographer called Laura Dobbs did like a photo of like a hundred vulvas. That was really empowering. I was like, oh my god, look! Like they all yeah, look so different, so but I had different. no idea. And yeah. like I think. The only exposure I'd had was like that 1980s sex ed video of like that ma- that woman with the massive bush having a baby. And I was like, well, that yeah. surely isn't what it looks like all the time because yeah. there's like a human head sticking out of it. <laughs> and then the rest of it, I suppose, was, must have been like porn or I don't know. I'm, not that I was really watching porn, but you know what I mean? Like when I think about it, I, I don't know. I just and I wasn't really looking at my own that much. I just I just felt this like inherent shame around it yeah I know what you mean and it's definitely got less now as I've got older and I'm just like oh please like nobody gives a shit you know like everybody's got bits and whatever and it's absolutely fine but a really big part of that for me has been like reclaiming the word like not calling it like my Twinkie or like yeah like my fairy or like even my my fanny or my foof yeah which I always I always called it my foof and I'm like no it's my fucking vagina like own it and (laughs) and and I always I always found it was so weird right either we talk about it in this really like infantilized way, like this really like childish way, like, oh, it's like my, my Twinkie and like my little fairy and like all this like, bleh. or it's talking about in a really like almost violent sexual way, like a gash or like beef curtains or like pussies kind of got connotations. It's either spoken about by men in this kind mm. of almost like obscene and sexualized way, or it's spoken about in this like infantilized way and there's nowhere in that that allows women to just have like matter of fact autonomy over this body part yeah just um, that's so true actually I never really thought about it like yeah, that yeah really stresses so me out so of course we're awkward about it because it doesn't yeah. ever feel like it's ours it feels like it's something that we have to be ashamed of and then whisper about whereas I'll tell you something out could you and I'm actually going to set this as a challenge and I want this on the Instagram oh god can you draw a revolver um I think so. I'm going to give it a go. Because you can draw a dick, like, bish, bash, yeah, bosh. Yeah, yeah. And on every desk I'm at school, every locker, every wall, there's always a dick. Everyone yeah. draws dicks. And it's like, it's so much more commonplace. And I know that men have their own stigma and their own shame and their own whatever. But really, like, it's no wonder we can't even say the word. We can't even, 
I don't even know what it looks like. There, there was that video that has gone viral on TikTok and it's basically stopping men on the street and asking them like, can you point out the clit? Have you seen I played it? a really fun game. I played pin the clit on the Volvo once, and it yeah, was like, yeah, good. it's a really good game. The, I mean, it's preposterous. Is what, it? The results are preposterous, honestly. They're pointing to all sorts. The you know the the wee hole. I was gonna say, yeah. You know, the, I don't the, even know with any confidence where the wee comes out. I mean, this all ties into like the female pleasure shit that we've talked about so much. Like, I bet so many people don't. I didn't know this. You know, your clit goes internally. It's the size of a coke can. Is it, oh whoa what. A Never. Coke can. Google wow. it. It's in Laura Bates's book. Laura Bates, guest from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's in her book, Girl Up. And I remember reading it on the tube. And I was literally looking at it. And I was like, holy fucking shit. Wow. See, there's so much to learn. There is so much to learn. But we don't talk about any of it. We don't talk about like female pleasure. We don't talk about female health. We just don't talk about that bit. And it's always like, I don't know, what's the worst... I don't know, what did you call it when you were growing up? Because my mum always called it my front bottom. I was just about to say front bum, that's what we called it. Front bum, back bum. Yeah, my mum was always like your front bottom. Your front bum. Like, oh, front bum, back bum. And I'll tell you what, I remember bruising. Oh, God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> when I was about... Oh, this is so embarrassing. When I was about, I don't know, seven maybe, I remember playing at the park and I, like, you know, there's like fireman poles. Like, so you climb to the top of the climbing frame and there yeah. was like a fireman's yeah. pole and I grabbed it with my hands yeah. and I swung and I just went like that Ow. and it was like fanny first Ow. and I hit the bar Ow. and I was like with my brother and I was like oh my god and obviously <laughs> we talk about like being whacked in the balls and my mum was like never hit your brother in the balls you know blah, blah, blah. so I'm like yeah I know that's gonna happen and I was like Jesus Jesus am I okay am I gonna die and it was so beautiful and I went to the loo that night and I was it was black oh my god I was bruised you it really and I was yourself. so embarrassed even at that age to be like my vault is bruised which if I'd done that to any other body part I just you know I was I, yeah there's no way that you'd that would have be, been embarrassing you'd be milking it for all it's worth I'll probably blame my brother look what my brother did but you know as it was I remember sitting in such shame and I didn't even tell yeah. my mum or anything and I was yeah. just so embarrassed and it's and it's actually wild and and not to be all like doom and gloom about it but this shame and it's the sh- same shame that affects men with their prostates and, and with testicular cancer but specifically for the sake of this episode in this conversation this shame is killing women because we don't talk about it. My granny started bleeding again after the menopause and had no idea that that was a symptom of ovarian cancer. She literally thought her period had come back. And why wouldn't she think that? Because what education did she receive? We don't know. I think it's really frightening the fact that because women are expected to endure an amount of pain each month, because pain is synonymous with being a woman, period pains are standard, childbirth hurts. You know, we... we are expected to deal with pain. We are expected to bleed. It's therefore really hard to know what's normal because pain, unfortunately, is a normal part of being a woman. So is bleeding. So that is extra special reason why we have to pay the most attention to our gynae health because we have to know what pain is too much pain. Because unfortunately, there are a lot of people in this world that will fob any pain off as, oh, it's just part of being a woman. No biggie. And it is a biggie. So that's why episodes and conversations like this are really, really important because it's, it is essential that we open up this conversation, I think. Um, I wanted to tell a funny story, actually. That'll help. Putting my friend on blast. 
just add a bit of levity to this. Give us a full name and address. So <laughs> I cried laughing when she told me this. Um, and she cried from embarrassment because it is just so funny. And she was drunk and it didn't mean to come out, but she ended up telling us. So when she was younger, younger with her friends, her girlfriends, they, they all sat in front of the mirror, right? Fanny's out. And I don't know, I don't actually know how to describe it, but basically like moved their lips to do like, like, I made like opera, opera noises with it. Like, oh, like, I don't know. I really, this is really hard to describe on a podcast in a, because it's very visual what I'm doing. But basically like they move their lips apart and go like, wow, like, wow, like they'd like talk like this and they called it flap chat. Oh God, so good. How good's that? But I love that. I love a vagina flap being chat. used. Just for something fun. Hilarious. Like we're not using it to make a kid. We're not using it to put a dick in. We're not using it to have a speculum up there. We're just using it for fun. Literally. It's just a body part. It's how same, funny. What are you going to do? A finger puppet? You're going to do a fanny puppet? Good. As you should. Flap chat. As you should. Flap chat. I so love good. it. It so does re- like, I actually just really like a vagina just being a vulva, just being a vulva. Just, yeah. Just doing its thing. Don't make yeah. it weird. Don't make it sexual. Don't make it gross. Don't make it embarrassing. Just, just leave it. Just let it do its thing. You know? For what it's worth, like, I don't know, yeah, this, oh, I, don't know, I always just think this, let it do its thing. It self-cleans. Go. It's it's actually an incredibly self-sufficient. Can we talk about this? It self-cleans. Yes. The pH or something, I don't know. Yes, it does, right? And we get info about this a lot saying, like, just water is sufficient. But water for me has never felt sufficient. I it feels it's okay to use a soap, isn't weird. it? Weird. I think what what a lot of people take umbrage with, quite rightly, is the amount of shit that's marketed as clean as as uh, because. Yeah. And I think this is another massive stigmatization of like the female anatomy, where it's like, oh, and she stinks of fish, and it's like, I mean, if there is an odor that comes from you that is beyond what you think is normal, then go to a doctor because it yeah. may be an STI. Which, by the way, not embarrassing. Yeah. It happens. Just, or like it BB. just it literally just happens. It could be anything, could be yeah. thrush, could be whatever. So it's always worth getting it checked. But there's so much, you know, like about the way that women smell and whatever. And, and that can make a woman really, really embarrassed when actually, first of all, like dick cheese are the thing. Like dicks smell really yeah. terrible. So I really don't really know. Well, dirty ones do, but I don't know. You know, like <laughs> I we comes out this, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. But yeah, it's still gross. Yeah, it's there's this gross. huge like stigmatization of the way that a woman's vagina and vulva smells. And I think, a lot of brands profit off that, um, yes. which is really gross. And I think yes. there's a massive difference. The reason I like working with Venus on this campaign is it's like, it's really great to call pubic hair, pubic hair, and to make a range specific for the fact that your pubic hair is different, for example, to your leg hair. So you need products that are going to help. Because I don't know about you, but I always got in growing hairs so if I ever shaved yep. my vulva or pubic area. Razor bumps, yeah, irritation. And that was just like... Yeah, um, horrible. So to have a specific product, I actually think is really good because women are like expected societally to look a certain way. And there's a whole load to unpick there because actually this comes up quite a lot when we talk, when I talk about working with Venus. People are like, well, you know, you're still talking about shaving and that's not very feminist. And my argument actually is the feminist bit is the right to choose. And if I'm going to choose to shave my body, I want the best tools available and I want products specific to this area and I don't want to have to suffer because I've made this choice and maybe I haven't unpicked all my feminism and maybe that's why I'm still shaving my vagina. Shoot me. Like, shoot me. But like, hey, I haven't haven't got the confidence to grow it out yet. Give me time. Yeah. That's my stance on it as well. Yeah. Like, So, and I, but, but I think there's a difference between this range, for example, which is like for for the hair that that you're removing, 
but your actual internal bits don't need stuff up there. They don't need no. polishing and and all or that douching. Crap. Do you remember that? If the... you smell, if, if 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 there's an odor coming from you, go to a doctor. Yeah. Otherwise, you, and if they say you're fine, you're fine. Why we shave is something that I think is ongoing for me. Like why I shave, mm -hmm. why I feel like I have to. Because mm -hmm. if I'm totally honest, I feel like I have to. Um, but that makes me feel better about my, like I think it looks better when yeah and that's that's my own shit but actually that helps me go for my smears and all of that stuff because i'm like me too and, and it's annoying because it shouldn't i know but do you but, want to we slap each other's hands as bad feminists bad feminist. me on the hand bad okay feminist. bad feminist yeah okay good but i, I feel like we could well, yeah but we can't yeah we can't be like perfect feminists and like this stuff is so hard to work out and to work through so and for the moment while I do still shave I want to know how to do it and do it properly and there is just so little info on the but pubic that, yeah. area and shaving it and how not to get ingrown hairs or bumps and and also like it was revolutionary to me having a serum that you can put on afterwards like I've never known because no, that's all part of the like it's just a lady thing. You just don't right. deal with that quietly. Right, exactly. Just, I don't want yeah. to know how. I don't want to yeah. know how the what's it? How the how the hens? No, how the what's the expression? How, how the how the something's made? I don't. I don't want to. No, not pie. I don't want to know how the sausage sausage is made. There, that is is a, that's a terrible pun. It sounds yeah, good. I don't want to know how the sausage is made. Yeah. You know, that's that's kind yeah. of the attitude towards like all guyany stuff. Just make it look pretty. Just make it look pretty. Yeah, yeah exactly. And 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 then on the on the. Um, at the same time, it won't, you know, no razor bumps, no irritation, no ingrown hairs. But how? How are we supposed to... Literally. How are we supposed to avoid those Literally. things? We have no idea. So the two so, things yeah. are really linked. I think, like, knowing your pubic area, knowing what you like, what you look like, what you want to look like, how you work. You know, for me, we talk about this in the, again in the episode, tracking my periods has been really valuable for me to learn more about my body. And I feel for the first time in my entire life, like I know what's going on. And God yeah. forbid something had gone wrong in the last decade, I would have had no idea yeah. because I wouldn't have known what to look for. And Although it, the symptoms are vague and although obviously cancer is a worst case scenario, we have to be realistic about the fact that if you don't know you're normal, you don't know what's abnormal. So I, we, this episode is literally here with the purpose to continue ending taboos and removing the stigma. And I'm really proud that we got to do it. Me too. I'm really proud. And it was a, it was a brilliant interview and so good to hear from both sides of the coin, like the patient and the doctor and he sounds like an amazing doctor like absolutely incredible and he, his manner and the care he takes of his patients probably means more to his patients than he'll ever know um but it was just it was a really great insight and yeah i hope everyone enjoys it and learn something from it we are leaving all of everybody's information that you hear from today in the show notes. So if you want to go and follow John or Jess on Instagram, or if you want to learn more about what the Lady Garden Foundation do, um, or Venus's um, work to support them, all the links are in the show notes. And uh, if you buy a Venus a pubic hair and skin razor pack at the moment, the donation is made to the Lady Garden Foundation. If you don't want to shave, you don't want to shave and that's fine. But we just want to give you the tools to shave better if you do shave and that's it no pressure either way and actually venus are really happy with that they're, they're very supportive of that if you shave if you don't yeah you do you yeah they just your way happy. your skin your yeah. way 
Hi, both of you. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is going to be a really, an incredibly important episode. Thank you for being here, firstly. Jumping straight in, I'd love to ask you, Jess, I guess, I guess a good place to start would be your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, what your symptoms were, if you were, if any, and, and you know, what symptoms you were displaying and did you have any idea at the time what those symptoms meant? Yeah, so I guess I'll start off with saying absolutely not. Did not know it could be any form of ovarian cancer. First thought was pregnancy. So I was getting really sick. I started doing beach volleyball. Um, and after just kind of a few minutes, I'd feel really, really tired and dizzy. And then I would go home and just be sick quite a few times um, over the next few days as well. Um And then it just kind of kept carrying on. I thought maybe I'm just really unfit. I've not done exercise for a while. It was coming to the end of lockdown. Um, And I thought, oh, I just really need to improve my fitness. Um, The other sort of symptom was tiredness. So I was working from home and I would start to fall asleep kind of every lunchtime, the whole lunchtime, um, multiple times during the day. Like I just need a quick 15 minute nap and things like that. Um, And just really, really tired. But then attributed that to thinking, well, is it just because we're in lockdown, we're all a bit depressed, it's winter, because this was the sort of March time last year, this has all started happening. Um, and I just thought, oh, as soon as like gets to summer, I'll start feeling a bit better about it, I won't be so tired. Um, another thing was getting up in the middle of the night and going to the toilet like three times, three, four times, um, and then getting really, really thirsty. Um, and then I just didn't really think anything of it. And then I spoke to my mum and she said, Jess, do you think you need to maybe take a pregnancy test? Um, and I thought, oh God, no, don't want to do that. I've never done it before. Petrifying. So I was, I was 23 at the time. Um, and she said, no, no, I think you need to go just take one just to be sure. And so I very nervously went down to the shop one morning for work and uh, did the test and it was negative. Um, and I thought, fine, and just sort of ignored the symptoms for a bit longer. Um, and then I started losing a lot of weight really quickly. And I think when I eventually went into hospital, I was 51 kilograms uh, and I'm five foot six. So that was quite underweight. Um, And so I was getting really, really skinny and then noticed my lower belly starting to protrude a bit. Um, And it was felt a bit hard. And I weirdly thought, like, maybe I'm getting some kind of abs. Don't know, like something like that. Um, And didn't at any point think it could be any kind of cancer. And it wasn't until I was getting so sick that I couldn't eat or drink that I finally went to the GP. Um, and they did a blood test and kind of felt my belly and said, yeah, we're going to refer you for an ultrasound just to check it's all okay. And then did another pregnancy test. Um, I think by the time I got to the doctors, it ended up being like seven pregnancy tests in total just to, cause it really seemed like all of those kind of symptoms. Um, but the next day after going to the GP, they rang me up and said, your kidneys are failing, get, in, get to A&E quickly. Um, and it all sort of went from there, really. Now you mentioned there like about these were all like symptoms of pregnancy right and I wonder like did you know any symptoms of any gynae cancer because like I feel like we know so much about breast cancer now and kind of like and and there's really helpful stuff on like what to look for and that kind of thing and that's that's very valuable and amazing but I feel like with gynae cancer I I don't know and I know you know there are different symptoms depending on different areas but did you know any symptoms like did it ever cross your mind at any point that it could be a cancer or was it just yeah, no. No. <laughs> none at all I think as you said kind of with women you're told to check your boobs and I did that religiously um kind of every time I was in the shower because I was really like oh god I just need to keep on top of it um and thought I was being really proactive um 
but not at one time did I think ovarian cancer. I never knew of any signs or symptoms. Didn't really naively thought that it didn't happen to people at 23 or in your early 20s. The only other thought of cancer was like, oh, maybe it's stomach cancer because I was throwing up so much and felt a lump in my tummy. But no, not a single time did I think ovarian cancer. And I didn't know anything about it, didn't know the types that you could have. So it was a, it was a real shock, real shock. It must have been. Your world must have just turned upside down yeah, like that to yeah. find out. Yeah. So, John, can we touch on this with you? Because ovarian cancer is what we're talking about today, but there are actually, and this might come as a surprise to people, but there are actually five different kinds of gynae cancers. Are you able to just give us a rundown of each of those? Sure. Um, so there are five gynecological cancers, and that means uh, cancers of the female genital tract. So going, I guess, from the outside in, um, vulval cancer, which is on the outer part of the vagina. There can be it's quite an uncommon cancer, cancer of the vulva. There could be cancer of the vagina, which is very, very rare. Cancer of the cervix, for which women gave first smear tests. Cancer of the uterus or the womb; it's the same organ. And cancer of the ovary. So those are the sort of five gynecological cancers. Okay, so back to Jess, like you've just been diagnosed mm-hmm. with ovarian cancer and you were admitted to the Royal Marsden and John here treated you. Um, can we ask about your treatment? Like how did that whole process happen and, and how was what, what was the treatment for you? Yeah, so I think John was the first one that came and said to me what was going on. So I turned up the Marsden feeling really unwell and they said, you've got this dysgerminoma, which is the rare type of ovarian cancer I had. Um, And John came to me and said, right, you're going to have BEP chemotherapy um, and this is how it works. Here's some information on it and you'll need surgery. And so I think you and Dr. George were sort of working together to decide when to have those cycles of chemo and when to have the surgery. Um, And so, yeah, you were really the first one that came and explained it all to me, like what on earth was going on? Um, And I think... I, one thing I really remember was you said, oh, I need to do an internal examination. And I thought, my goodness me, that's the scariest thing I've heard so far. Which, because I was 23, never had a smear test, mm-hmm. nothing. I thought, oh my God, no. And I think you saw the fear in my eyes and you mm-hmm. thought, okay, maybe not. I think we can postpone this. We don't need to do it now. Um, but yeah, so I started off with the chemotherapy, um, did three cycles of that. So it was very intense regime. It was four, five days of kind of four or five hours a day chemotherapy as an inpatient. Um, so we did three cycles of that. And then uh, John did my surgery. And so had an ovary taken out and a fallopian tube and some stressful lymph nodes. <laughs> um, and then one final cycle of chemotherapy just to like mop everything up. And then that was it. And then in October last year, I got the all clear, which was amazing. That sounds really tough physically. Mm-hmm. That sounds very, <laughs> very gruelling. Um, but I'm wondering what the impact was like on your mental health, particularly because this was this was all in lockdown, right? Yeah. So or at was, least coming out of lockdown. Yeah, um, I think that played a big part of it. So my mum was the only one that could come in with me. And that was only because I was so young. Um, ordinarily, a lot of other patients weren't allowed to have anyone else there. So I was really lucky in that respect. But a lot of my family and my boyfriend were kind of like desperate to come in, desperate to be there with me. And they found it really hard sort of being on the sidelines while I was in there for all those cycles of chemo and after the surgery and they just couldn't come in. Um, but I think mental health wise, because it all happened so quickly, going through it, I didn't find that tough. It was afterwards, after I got the all clear and it was like, well, now I've got breathing space. What on earth has just happened? It was like going through a car crash. And I think what didn't help was I was in like a temporary state of menopause. Um, so my I had kind of no hormones going on. 
um, which was a big shock to the body. Um, and so we did hormone therapy, which John put me on, which was amazing. And that really helped improve my mood. Um, and I think there's probably quite a lot of stigma around young girls or hormone therapy as a, as a whole, but young girls being on it as well. Um, and I think a lot of people aren't given that opportunity. So to be able to put on that really helped my mental health. I mean, obviously it didn't solve everything. It's a big thing to come to terms with. Um, but that was a big, big help. And I think even going on to kind of with seven months since I've had the all clear, there's days that I find it really tough and it's sort of always in the back of my head. I'm always, cancer's in my mind every day and you see all these adverts for like the Macmillan adverts and things could be quite graphic. And for me, that's quite a triggering point now. Even they have, I think one of the new adverts, they've got the IV machine going and that beep that they just have really triggers me because I sat there for so many hours and it was such a, such a traumatizing time. So I do have days that it's really tough, but generally it's getting a lot better. Yeah, yeah. understandably, that's a lot to go through to come out yeah. completely unscathed <laughs> mentally, right? That's really intense. Mm. But it's amazing that you can sit here now with your doctor, which is really <laughs> cool, and talk about this without, like, I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but how important is this relationship between patient and, and doctor? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's huge. Um, really, really important to have such a good relationship. I mean, we can talk really openly now. Obviously, at the start, when I was saying, I, I was petrified and going, oh, he wants to do internal. But now, kind of, I'm, I'm, he's made me very comfortable with the processes and things like that and taken away that stigma. Um, and especially, I, I don't know if you get it much, being a male gynecological surgeon, um, I don't know if many of your patients think, oh, it's a male doing it, if that makes it any worse. Mm. But I think you made me feel very comfortable about everything um, and you really took the time to explain things, which was a huge, huge help. Yeah. No, I mean, it is, um, you know, all patients are, are different and unique individuals, but you can't help when you look after, you know, young, young patients like yourself, you really feel, you know, I've got small children myself, you think, gosh, you know, this is such a huge amount of news I'm telling you and the responsibility that we have to try and do it with kindness and honesty and compassion. And I mean, I think one of the great things at the Royal Marsden is we've got a brilliant team of um, both the doctors and the nurses and our clinical nurse specialists who can help support a lot of those conversations. I find quite often I can be, you know, delivering what is, life-changing news patients will say they're fine I leave the room and then the nurse comes out half an hour later and they've been in tears and you know there can be you know we, we realize there are uh, you know things we can't change about ourselves I can't I could change being a man but you know I can't change <laughs> being, being a man and how that may affect some some you know relationships and those conversations so it really is all about um, the whole team working working together um, and I think you know, the nice thing about modern medicine is we are honest and open nothing is hidden and we're all you know just there to help and you know we're learning more each day um, and the key thing is we tell you about the specific disease that you had, um, what we can do mm -hmm. to cure it, and also how we can help you move forward in life. <clears throat> like on a practical level, John, it'd be really like valuable to talk to you about, about gynae health. And because we say all the time we need to know our bodies and mm -hmm. we need to know our normal and, 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 and that sort of thing. And that's really well and good, but we don't. And I think what's really hard for a lot of women is it's just like, you know, we don't we can hardly even say the word vagina like mm. you know the, anatomically people don't know the difference between a vagina and a vulva mostly like we don't know our bodies and it's kind of I, I, I love the sentiment of like go on girls know your bodies but it's yeah. like okay but what do we need to know and like again put you on the spot but is there anything that we that we just we should have been taught and we haven't and that's not our fault but we could really do with knowing 
now. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. I mean, I think one of the sort of basic things is is, an, is anatomy, you know, knowing what things look like, what is normal for you as soon as you know what is normal is for you in terms of what things look like. If we talk about the vulva, um, that you know that is helpful. And we're not just talking about cancer here, but there are lots of conditions that women may may have that if they know something is new and different, it could be an STI, it could be an infection, something like that. You can say that is new and different. I need to see someone and get checked out. Um, the other thing is, you know, women um, from the time they start their um, periods, being aware of what their normal menstrual pattern is. I um, mean, you know, it's great now with apps and things where you can keep a record of that and saying, you know, what is you know, new and different to me? I have, am I having a change in my cycle? And then it's also about you know, new symptoms. And, and I think one of the challenges of the ovarian cancer, in common with many cancers that start in the abdominal cavity, is the vague symptoms they can have, such as uh, bloating, abdominal pain, need to go to the loo more frequently, change in bowel habit, change in weight. Um, and it's you know, those things, if we all think of them, you know, we probably get them once a week. However, if they persist and last for four weeks or longer, then it's really worth just getting checked out. And I think it is just being aware of your body. And in those conversations, uh, you know, you have with people, you know, just saying, look, you've been complaining about this for a while, you know, it is worth just getting getting it checked out. But in terms of advocating for yourself, because, and this is not to speak to most doctors, because obviously most doctors are amazing, almost all do most doctors are amazing, but it's hard, you know, waiting times are hard and, and getting women to advocate for themselves and, and to, to know their normals and, and all that sort of thing. And I wonder, like, is there a way that we can, I think, I don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I sometimes think maybe because we bleed once a month anyway, a lot of women are like, oh, well, bleeding again, like probably just left over from last time or whatever, you know. So we are very vague, like you say, mm -hmm. with vague symptoms. Is there a, a, a way that's very, um, is there a way that women can advocate for themselves well? Because I think sometimes we don't want to speak up about gynae health and yeah. it can be embarrassing. And is there a way that you can advocate? deliberately and and purposely in a way that people will listen yeah so uh, it, is, it is hugely you know hugely challenging because the frequency of abnormal bleeding you know amongst young women is, is very common however i think if you are say i am you know i'm very concerned that i may have this condition and then it kind of gets it out in the open and say you know i'm worried i have endometrial cancer and you know doctors are you know we've got really good guidelines now we are seeing in the nhs more women than ever with suspected cancer you know most of them don't have cancer but i think it's that clarity to say I am concerned I have this condition. Please, can I get checked out? Because, you know, the, the, you know, GPs are doing really well, but it is very hard for them, the volume of people coming through. And, you know, for most young women, you know, it is not cancer. It is, you know, something else. But until they have an investigation or get it checked out, it's difficult. And we know I did some research looking at international variation in terms of um, what the general public will present to doctors within the UK. And we were different to other countries in terms of patients being more embarrassed about symptoms. So I think it's the sort of case almost where the British, British stiff upper lip perhaps holds people back from, from presenting. We were talking before we started recording as well about how it's really... With all the uh, cancer awareness that's been mm -hmm. raised, which is incredible and so, so necessary, there is a lot to kind of look out for. And I guess a lot of the times you're a bit like, is this something to worry about? Is it not? W would you tell anyone who's just worried in the slightest to just go to their GP? Is that what you, your advice would be? Uh, not, or would not, you? I mean, I, I think most, the, the, one of the problems is that cancer, one in two people develop cancer in their lifetime. The likelihood of cancer increases when people get older. We know whenever there are big awareness campaigns, often the clinics are full of, you know, the quote unquote worried well, where the chance of having cancer is you know, almost, almost negligible, not zero. Um, so it's really about the persistence and sort of crescendoing of symptoms. So if you've got, you know, just you know, a bit of an ache and pain that comes and goes, it's probably not 
you know, nothing. But as you, you know, very eloquently said, if you've got symptoms are getting more frequent and persist, then it really is worth getting checked yeah. out. And, you know, the, the, the general guidelines, if there's a 3% risk of a symptom being cancer, it should be investigated. But the problem, and I, you know, I really, really feel for GPs because the, you know, the number of people they have to see, um, and, you know, so many of those people have symptoms that could be a cancer, but most of them are not. So it's really, um, you know, trying to delineate that. And, you know, we're doing in the NHS a lot of work. We've now got clinics where patients with non-specific symptoms can go, so what's called rapid diagnostic clinics, so where a GP says, this woman hasn't got, or patient has not a specific you know, cancer I'm worried about, but I am worried about them, and then they can go and have a battery of tests. So there's a huge amount of investment going in to, to try and improve that at the moment. So talking like about getting women to appointments, and a big part of that is removing the stigma and embarrassment that we feel, and you touched on it before when you said that Dr. John had to do an internal examination and you didn't want to do that, which is fair enough. I guess it stops a lot of women going for their smears for the same reason. Like it is just embarrassing and awkward and whatever. You won't feel like that because you're a doctor. So it's your, it's anatomy, right? But I wonder as a patient, like uh, if you wouldn't mind talking about how you've come to terms with it and kind of h- how you feel now about the stigma and, and if there's anything you'd say to any other young woman out there about the stigma or, or about yeah. how you feel about that um, well, as I said, so the first time we met, you said I need to do an internal examination. I just sat there in fright, went, mm, no. <laughs> um, and my mum was sat with me trying to convince me, going, oh, it won't be bad, it won't be bad. Um, and I just, for some reason, just couldn't face it that day. And you said, it's fine, we just won't do it this time. Uh, managed to not need it for a bit. Um, and then when we did come to need to do one at a later time, I sort of just had to suck it up. I think it's when we were discussing the upcoming surgery I was going to have and I think there was just so much going on. And then you said, oh, we're going to do this. And I I think I just sort of thought, right, well, we're going to have to do it now then. We're going to have to suck it up and go and have it done. And it was absolutely fine. (laughs) It was all in my head because I've heard other people say that smear tests are bad um, and internal, internal, internal examinations are all kind of painful and uncomfortable. And that wasn't my experience at all. Um, I've had a few since then and it's all been absolutely fine. Um, and really, really nothing to worry about. So I think, obviously, I had no grounding for what I was really getting scared about because I, I didn't know what's coming. It's just from what other people have said. Um, so it really is that stigma's built that up. Um, and yeah, I, I found it absolutely painless and fine and it's over and done with so quickly. Right. <laughs> and it, it's so true. It's like with smear tests as well, isn't it? I've got four little sisters and... I had uh, two of them turned 25 recently and I had to coach them through <laughs> um, their twins had to coach them through their first smear test and they came out like oh my god there's nothing to it yeah. there's absolutely nothing to it <laughs> the nurse is doing ton- tons of these a day it's in and it's out and it's done but I'm wondering John if you believe that the reason that gynae cancers are called the silent killers or are referred to as the silent killers is because of this stigma and embarrassment do you believe that contributes to it yeah i i think to a degree and i think um you know for we know for some women they they do um you know are scared of the diagnostic investigation smear tests or scans so you know partly what might be fined and partly the trauma you know of it and there are lots of things women can do in terms of the physical examination so i often you know tell women you know if they if they say i find it difficult you know 
they may have had past experiences that make that more difficult. That is not there. Yeah, then there's an opportunity to help with them. But also things like knowing what size speculum, which is what we use to do a smear test, fits you best. And for example, some women um, find it easier if they actually insert the speculum themselves, and then they feel a much more relaxing. So a and lot wow. can ask to do that. Yeah, Didn't absolutely. And so quite really... a lot of women, if they've had, you know, I've had some women who've unfortunately had, you know, abuse or other things in yeah. the past, and then um, yeah, they um, yeah now we've built up sort of confidence relationship that they um, will insert the speculum themselves until they feel in a comfortable position that I can view the cervix and take the test. So lots of things that can be can be done to help women. That's brilliant information. Uh, that I didn't, yeah. And I didn't also know in terms that. of smear tests, we know um, you know twenty to thirty percent of women are not going regularly for their screening test, and that um, we're doing programs in London where women and other elsewhere where women can self test, so they can do an HPV test on themselves. So it's not quite as good as doing the okay. smear test, but it's still a way of testing. Right. Is that the statistic, 20 to 30 percent of women don't? Yeah, it varies from region to region. Yeah. That's a lot, isn't it? But a lot of people put it off as well, don't they? Just think, oh, I'll just, I'll get around to it. I think I just spend like 15% of my life chivying my girlfriends to go and have their smear test done. (laughs) Have you booked it yet? Have you booked it yet? Have you booked it yet? But I mean, certainly, I mean, the, the, um, I, I don't like, obviously I don't like it, the phrase is silent killer. And I think historically it was associated with ovarian cancer because people thought there were no symptoms and people died of it. Both those things are broadly speaking untrue. We know there are symptoms, you know, you described and they're often vague symptoms but also we are you know women are cured of ovarian cancer not all women but many women are and women who are not cured are living longer and longer and longer so you know we really are seeing can i ask about the ovarian cancer symptoms because i've mentioned before we started recording i've gone off script again sorry but my um my granny had ovarian cancer and her symptom her first symptom was that she got a period after the menopause and she rang my mom and she was gassed she was like oh my period's come back my mom was like (laughs) I don't know. Like that doesn't sound right, and obviously it isn't right. And but we don't know that because we don't know a lot about it. So, of course, you had uh, so many symptoms, Jess, mm-hmm. that were vague, like you say. But there are some more obvious ones, like bleeding after menopause. There's bloating, isn't there? Yeah. So exactly. So I mean, I think the one key symptom of a potential cancer is it's what we call postmenopausal bleeding. So bleeding after the menopause, and that always warrants an urgent referral. So any woman who has bleeding after the menopause will get an ultrasound scan and usually an assessment of the lining of their womb. It's usually nothing, but about ten between five to ten percent of women with bleeding after the menopause will have either a cancer of the womb or cancer of the ovary. So it is, um, you know, it is something so, that should be. You definitely go to the GP if, if you're after the menopause mm. and you have bleeding. Always get checked out. It can be due to something called vaginal atrophy, which is where there's drying of the tissues and thinning of the tissues. But it was always important we check out for womb or ovarian cancer. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you both about your work with the Lady Garden Foundation and yeah, what you do and why it's so important. Jess, if you want to, um, yeah. So I found out about the Lady Garden Foundation through the lovely press team at the Marsden, who sort of asked me to share my story. And from then, I sort of found out everything they did, found out that John was a trustee um, and that they're also funding research for Dr. George, who was my oncologist. Um, And so I thought, right, well, I need to do some fundraising for this. Um, And we did a walk across London in March, which is ovarian cancer month. Um, And we've raised about eight thousand, eight and a half thousand pounds. So, yeah, I was really pleased to do that. But no, they're a great charity. um, And I really love what they do. They're spreading the word for gynae cancers, um, which I think is so important, particularly in young women. 
And what about you, John, as a doctor? Yeah, so um, it's, it's a great charity. So at the Marsden, we've historically had a fantastic charity, the Royal Marsden Cancer Charity, and we're the oldest cancer hospital in the, in the UK and one of the oldest, oldest in the world. Um, and the Lady Garden Foundation was originally set up to do fundraising for my colleague Susanna Banerjee, and it's gone on from that to fundraise other streams of research, including um, for Dr. George, but also a lot of work on awareness. Um, it's got um, you know, quite a, a sort of exciting, provocative style as you can tell from the name, um, but doing some amazing fundraising events. I think we've raised over £2 million um, to date, um, both to raise awareness um, about gynecological cancers, to raise money for research, but also um, to do um, awareness of general women's health and uh, women's issues. So um, it's a fantastic charity. It's an you know, absolute honour to be a trustee and medical director of it. Um, and I think the collaboration with the Royal Marsden Cancer Charity has been, been very fruitful for all, all concerned. Can I ask about the provocative nature of the um, you know, of, of your lovely T-shirt, Jess? Because <laughs> um, it is like, and I, I think it's really important and I love this. Like it feels like a real like autonomy coming back for like mm-hmm. female of like their body parts and, and like getting to know their bodies. Is that like, is, I don't know, this sounds like odd, but is it empowering for you to sort of work with a brand that are so kind of fun with, with this, you know, like even the Lady Garden, it's, it is fun, right? And it does feel like reclaiming a lot of power. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I think it's great. And one thing I sort of had a hesitation about was sending out the uh, fundraising link to work, which is quite a traditional company <laughs> that I work for. Um, and I thought, no, no, this is the whole point of the charity. They're empowering us to kind of be comfortable with it. I should just be comfortable to sell it, send it out. And everyone loved it and they thought it was great. And I think, yeah, for that reason as well, it is such just a fantastic charity. Yeah, because some of the hoodies and stuff, don't they? They've got the like the arrows pointing yeah. down yeah. and like, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 th- I think it's good to make people look twice and think twice because it's crazy yeah. that there would be any embarrassment attached to you sending that email, despite the fact that surely your work knew what you'd been mm-hmm. through. So... I love, I love, I love the name. I love, I want that t-shirt. I love the lot. <laughs> <laughs> so Jess, you have had your all clear for seven months now? Yes, I think so. Amazing. <laughs> Question that is going to fully put you on the spot. What has the last year taught you about life? Oh, that's a deep one. It's a deep one, <laughs> very broad one, very sorry, but also we really want to know. <laughs> um, well, I guess the cliche one is it sort of puts everything into perspective um and but I think something I've really found in myself is it's made me feel so much stronger um and resilient and it's made me think well I've, I've beaten cancer I could do that if I if something's stressing me out I think I've beaten cancer and I think it's just sort of given me that confidence to be stronger and face new challenges um and not sweat the small stuff as much although people might disagree with me I do still stress about certain things but <laughs> who doesn't um but no I think yeah definitely just having that kind of strength of character and resilience being confident to go to appointments on my own and have internal examinations talk about it get the word out there um yeah it's amazing because and, and john you were saying before we started mm-hmm. as well talking about you know the feels weird saying like the positive side you know of cancer or i guess of what you do yeah as uh, a cancer doctor um that you see people being given a, a different perspective on life and sort of a, a better outlook on life absolutely would you say? i mean one thing i've changed so i've, I've first worked with royal marsden in 2003 and thought gosh it was my dream to work here because everyone was so positive so good at what they did and really truly truly cared as human to human and i've actually now I, i've stopped saying to patients when i give them a cancer diagnosis i'm sorry you have cancer because i don't want to burden it with negativity it's actually you know it's not going to be a positive thing but it's something we are here to absolutely help you with this is a diagnosis you don't just have ovarian cancer you 
you've got a specific form of ovarian cancer, this is the best treatment. This is how we're going to you know, fix it as best as we can for you so you can move forward with your life and not just say, you know, that this is all negative and doom and gloom because it's not. You know, more and more people are living longer and longer and longer. And in my career, you know, patients often ask me um, who, you know, have less curable cancers, how long have I got to live? Um, and I say, well, all I can say is things are getting better all the time. What I would have told you two years ago is different to what I would have told you four years ago. And, you know, with the great um, you know, work we're doing with research, um, with things are getting better. So I think that, you know, we're onto with patients. Patients can look things up. And actually, you know, I am obviously very sorry people have cancer, but it is not doom and gloom. It's wonderful to hear cancer being spoken about with hope. Yeah. Um, I, it's just, honestly, I could cry. It's never a perspective that I've <laughs> heard before and it is such doom and gloom for so many families you know so mm. it's really lovely to see like you're sitting here just like you just you look so well and and <laughs> you're, you're doing such great stuff and it's like I've never heard that perspective but it's like you know it's terrifying isn't it you just say cancer and it's just terrifying but just to see like the happy ending is just magic and I wonder sorry did not mean to get emotional but it's been a week um, <laughs> but I wonder either of you both of you Jess I guess specifically like is there any advice what advice is there that you'd give to any other young women listening just listen to your body um if anything seems strange and persists and you think right this is just getting a bit weird now it's been going on for as you say about four weeks or so get it checked I was putting it off attributing it to different things not wanting to miss work which was just silly put your health first listen to your body and just get it checked what about you John what what advice would you have for young women listening yeah so i mean i i I think it's more broad you know cancer is you know a condition we get but i think it is the more we are aware of our bodies and you know the other thing is important is about prevention so thinking about you know exercising not drinking too much not smoking getting your regular smear tests and just being you know where people think about their kind of financial affairs their financial planning we should all be doing health planning thinking about what you what am i putting myself at risk of you know how can i be as healthy as possible um so you know things one in two of us will develop cancer the fitter and stronger you are um you love swimming don't you um do. <laughs> then you know that the better people are to deal with whatever treatments they may need and that goes for a host of medical conditions so i think really being aware of our bodies and you know i think with a lot of modern technology on your phones you can you know look at what your weight's doing um and monitor your periods and just see if anything is different but actually seeing that you know focusing on one's health physical and mental is vital to our enjoyment of this, this great world we live in thank you guys thank you so much (laughs) that was brilliant thank you is there anything that you wanted to say that we haven't covered um I think the only thing I would say just to add to what we were talking about before when John was saying kind of looking at things more positively and focusing on life I think one thing I found really good with you was saying right we're going to get you back to being a normal young 20 year old back to being a normal woman um and I think having that focus just right from the start made it it made me think that way rather than just sitting there thinking, oh, I've been diagnosed with cancer, this is me now, this is it, and not letting it define me. We thought, right, we're going to get back to normal life, whatever normal life Can is. Can I ask actually something? I didn't even, it didn't occur to me to ask before, but just thinking about it, the Marsden, I, I, I've had friends that have been at the Marsden and the atmosphere has always felt so um, supportive. Mm-hmm. And of course, your world got turned upside down and there's nothing normal about what you went through. But did you find like a resemblance of like, love and 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 like real life in the in in throughout your treatment and beyond because again i've i've seen it and i i guess that's a gift that social media gives us there is positivity within certain spaces and it is the you know 
it is lonely of course it's lonely you're you're on your own and everything but but did you feel with with John and with other patients maybe that it wasn't it wasn't as I don't know that there was more love in it than than you thought there would be yeah so I think definitely um John and Dr George and the CNSs as well that I dealt with were all so lovely very friendly it wasn't very much like I'm your doctor and this is it and it wasn't clinical in that sense although um obviously it was clinical fun fun um but it was that you we built relationships and I think that was such a big part of it and it made me tr- I trusted all of you instantly which I think is a big thing um and I just knew that I was in safe hands I think that's really good in terms of with other patients I didn't really meet many other patients until after so I've spoken to a few since and they've all shared really positive stories at the Marsden um and I've through another charity um I've kind of met other young people that have been through the same thing and it's just people also a couple that were treated at the Marsden and all so positive just such positive stories about it I mean I, th- I think one thing and Jess alluded to it the the real challenges we've had in healthcare over the last couple of years are the um yeah the restrictions that COVID has made and I know that um you know the support of family and friends you know however amazing our nurses are it's not the same as having a mum or boyfriend there um and it has been very difficult you know, and often that sort of peer-to-peer support from patients on the chemo unit and that sort of thing that's all been a bit restricted and um hopefully things will, will get back on track Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you both so much for being here with us today. That was amazing and so helpful and so informative as well. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. Great. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you took as much from that as we did. We just absolutely value these conversations so much. And I don't think we should underestimate the importance of hearing from real life people and, and talking about things that are so entrenched in shame. So we're really, really proud that we got to do that. Um, this is the end of this episode now. We are going to be back, as we said, on Thursday. This is a new format. So we have a bumper episode coming out on Thursday, which is our Is It Just Me's. If you've got any questions, any thoughts, any emails, we would love to hear from you. Al, can you hit them with the email address, please? So our email address is shouldideletethatpod at gmail.com. Please send in every, anything you have. Is it just me's embarrassing stories? And they may well get read out on Thursday's episode. So please join us then. Thank you so much for listening. We will see anything, anything else? No, I think that's great. No. <laughs> we're, okay. we're panicking with the outro. Um, <laughs> we will. Um, anyway, okay, we're, we're ballsing it up. We're going to say thank you so much for listening. We love you loads. We'll see you on Thursday for a bumper special. No, it's not even a special. It's just a thing. We'll see you on Thursday for the thing. We'll see you on Thursday as we always do. I fucking love a Thursday. <laughs> see you on Thursday. It'll be Woo! Thursday. Woo! See you love on Thursday. You. Bye. Bye. Bye.